Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I'm Nick. I'm Matt. And here we are again with another random monster from a random monster manual. This week I have in my hands Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 Monster Manual number 2. And I have opened up to page 130. Now this, this guy is kind of a cool idea. Some, some ghostly, ethereal undead. Another undead option. We've been seeing a lot of undead lately. And I, I don't know if it's because we're subconsciously drawn to it or there's just a larger amount of it and therefore we hit them more. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be just they're trying to come up with a bunch of different versions of the zombie, the ghoul, things like that, maybe to yeah. populate. Well, this is definitely not a zombie or ghoul option. This is this is more this is a very unique thing. I I, I could not see this really re just like as a straight up swap. And it's it's not a name you're going to get. It's called a jahi. J-A-H-I. Yep, definitely wouldn't get that. So this is a tiny undead incorporeal. Our challenge rating is a 16. Wow. Which is always the more shocking when you see something so small have such a tiny challenge or have such a large challenge rating. It's for some reason you think the the big, bad, scary things are the the, the most difficult things. But this is a good example of it's it's not just like brute strength that makes it difficult, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the Jahi is an incorporeal undead made of unfulfilled desires. It attacks by magically dominating its prey. The Jahi appears as a ghostly image of a serpentine scaled worm with three elongated faces. Normally, it is found wrapped around the throat or chest of a creature it has selected to be its chosen one. Ajahi prefers to work behind the mask of its chosen one, letting the blame for any excesses fall upon the latter. Once it has a chosen one, the monster begins to accumulate a group of dominated followers who form the nucleus of a debauched cult dedicated to the Jahi's worship. The creature feeds off the charisma of these followers, all the while encouraging them to greater heights of hedonistic excess. It's it's a cool hook right off the right off the bat. There's at least seven or eight story ideas already percolating. And it's assuming you're going to twenty, like it's a pretty decent end boss kind of thing. It's it's the the it's the mastermind behind the whole thing that you can see happening through the whole process of your of your game. Oh yeah. Which which you don't discover until later on obviously, but like the at first you you discover that it's a cult and then you discover the the reasoning behind the cult is is this this cult leader is actually possessed by a jahi. Yeah, it's one of those moments in a campaign where you can get the that wide-eyed stare by your players mm -hmm. when they they figure it out when they put the pieces together and that's one of my favorite things is to be on the other side of the screen to see that on the table yeah yeah it's a it, it is a great way to like it is set up 
to surprise your players, if you don't use this to surprise your players, you're really kind of missing out on a really cool opportunity of, of this, the, the potential behind this creature. Yeah, it's, it's similar to the, what was that one monster we had that had like the, almost a crime boss type um, nature to it. They had like the, was it like the needly fingers or something with the, the, oh, the cambium, the cambium. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorites where I like how the cambium has that kind of grip, that kind of kingpin hold over its followers, so to speak. This has a, even more because you bring in that kind of undead ethereal type thing where it, it becomes part of, of the creature that it, that's enthralled. And it's not just, like the cambium's just p- kind of pulling strings from, from the background where this is right up there, and it, you can you definitely know you're going to face this, where the cambium, you probably yeah. will, but it's one of those things where he could, add infinitum, he could just retreat into the shadows. Yeah, yeah. The 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 jahi is much more kind of active because they're controlling this they're physically like manifesting they're they're physically occupying this person well not physically i guess because they're incorporeal but they are they're living inside of this person controlling them like a power ranger and with the cambium it was really just a matter of i think we determined a combination of threats and mostly just like the addiction thing of of providing the humors exactly this is more along the lines of that that mold that kills the the ants and makes them into zombies almost. cordyceps the cordyceps yes. fungus yeah kind of yeah but it doesn't make them self-destructive no not at all yeah. but it may it it feeds that that overarching just the way that it, it drives it to that that one specific spot, mm-hmm. in especially with the addition of creating that cult and using that charisma. Yeah, yeah, it's very. A lot of the rest of the the descriptor is really playing off of the how how important the charisma is for this thing. It says uh, it does charisma damage. And any creature hit by a Jahi's incorporeal touch attack takes 1d4 points of charisma damage, or twice that amount on a critical hit. The Jahi heals 5 points of damage, or 10 on a crit, whenever it deals charisma damage. Wow. 1d4 doesn't seem like a lot, but we've had this discussion before, particularly pertaining to Pathfinder slash 3.5 is, what are your stats at 16? 17 you're you're never going to have over a 20 period exactly yeah so so 1d4 out of 20 is is way more substantial than 1d4 out of 150 hit points or something like that you're looking at maybe a fifth of that dropping down each time and that's if they don't crit yeah if it's a crit it's it's an automatic oh well no it's just double the double the damage sorry the heal is an automatic 10 on the crit. Okay, so think about it though. If you are at say you have a charisma of we'll say like 14. That's that's fairly average, yeah. You get a crit, you get crit on that mm-hmm. and he rolls a 4, 
that is ha- that is half of your charisma exactly in one hit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's. We always talk about the the most extreme situations, but I think those are the the most interesting ones to really kind of dissect. Sure. But yeah, I mean, all it takes, and we've all seen it. I I guarantee everyone listening to this podcast has seen the dice speak at the table. I have rolled two 20s with disadvantage. I've rolled two ones with advantage. It's we've all seen just amazing rolls. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing in the sense of being amazed, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in addition to the charisma damage, it also has charisma drain. Each, Each day, a Jahi's chosen one, if any, must make a fortitude save at DC of 26 or permanently lose 1d3 points of charisma. The Jahi heals 5 points of damage whenever it it drains charisma, gaining any excess as temporary hit points. (laughs) Okay. I didn't realize that they really played with temp hit points in in 3.5. Oh, yeah. That's... But that's... That is specifically for the person being possessed, the chosen one by the Jahi. So... Is that all in the background and you're just doing rolls and your players don't know? Do you do you make your players... Do, do, does one of your players get possessed by this thing? Well, I was just going to ask that myself. Like, is, is this one of those things where you, you have that secret meeting or maybe that secret note? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some secret rolls even with, with a certain player and kind of continue that subterfuge until the you know the proverbial crap hits the fan yeah i'm trying to see i don't see a mechanic saying this is how it possesses someone interesting yeah seems awful specific just to leave it up to gm's discretion right there's got to be a save somewhere Especially if it's because otherwise all of this detail is lost. If it's, if you're not putting it on a player, all of this detail is kind of lost in, in, in the, the, the backstory, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, while it's cool to see the, the random NPC, maybe even a, a consequential NPC that's possessed by this, it, it hits home so much harder if it's, a PC that fails a will save or something yeah. along those lines and is possessed by this thing. And then you can really start to nail them with the charisma drain and, and things mm-hmm. like that. How, how would you do it? How would you make it the, what, what would your player character have to do to resist this? And and I mean, I'm I'm inclined to just go with the the stats right out of the charisma drain. So just make a DC twenty six fort save. That's fu- I'm I mean I'm I'm okay with that because they built that they built that save in, so it's kind of safe and you know it's balanced. Yep. That being said, this is an incorporeal thing. Do you not even let your 
player know what's going on and just make them roll and then have consequences or like what's how uh, how or how yeah. would, how would you use it i guess i i give you i give you this this page i give you 130 sure. out of monster manual number 2 and say this has to go in your game how would you play it i think i may try to play it almost as a a trap where kind of like in alien where you're exploring and maybe you miss a perception check or something along those lines. And this thing, you don't see it. Obviously it's incorporeal. The monster has this opportunity to possess you. And at that point it would just be a, almost a, just a random save roll this roll. Give me a, a fortitude save. Once you get the result, then you can say, okay, nothing happens. Or you start to feel this constricting kind of rope type thing around your throat. You can't touch it. You can't get it off. It just feel, it makes it a little bit harder to breathe. And you, it feels like somebody else is looking through your eyes. And then I will, I would go into what they, maybe what they need to do to resist this at, at each stage of the game or what if they don't resist it what they need to do to obey i guess you could say hmm. i would just i would try to build up a certain almost a table of what kind of consequences if they they fail the subsequent fortitude saves yeah it's N- knowing knowing specifically what this thing does it it, it creates a cult leader and then and then attracts people to be basically just hedonistic so i imagine it's just a mansion with with seven rooms one for each of the the deadly sins basically absolutely and and if if your player gets possessed by this thing how do you how do you push them to that how do you how do you make them experience that you know you you, you can only go so far in really controlling their characters you can you can say oh you feel like you want to do this this you get this urge you get this feeling you can do that or you can go the ultimate extreme and say give me your character sheet and have them roll up a new character basically kind of yeah that would be interesting just to just attempt if they can figure it out and solve the problem that's fine I, i i'm totally fine with that but but this this seems and you know what that's why this is a 16 like this yeah. is this is kind of a serious thing that would be a great way and we've talked about this off air the idea of maybe not carrying your starting character at level 1 all the way to level 20 and this would be an interesting way to remove a character from the the playable sphere if someone was like, "All right, I, mm. you know what? I'm I'm tired of playing a cleric. I want to play a fighter. I want to play a, a, a warlock, something mm-hmm. like that." And you're like, "Okay, well, instead of just the oh, well, this guy just kind of rides off into the sunset and his lives happily ever after. No, his swan song is this. Yeah, and you can all you can use this as this can happen at any time, really." 
Just because sure. this creature is a 16 doesn't mean they don't have to... Like, they could meet it when they're level 7. And it's... What better bad guy, what better end boss to have than a former party member? Exactly, exactly. That... So then you would absorb their character sheet and start playing them as, I as a villain. So. I guess so, yeah. But, but not a, not a, what's the word I'm looking for? It, where they can't be saved, not a. Irredeemable. Yeah, yeah. not, a, not an irredeemable villain in the sense that they clearly have to die at the end of this. They could, they could fix this situation. It is, oh, it is entirely sure. possible. Yeah. And you know, maybe the later stages of this is finding out why or how they can save him, finding out more about the Jahi itself and learning some of that lore so that they can put two and two together and realize, oh, well, that's why Bob the Cleric went off and did this instead of staying with the party. Or instead, when everyone else wanted to spend the the gold they they accrued from this dungeon on, you know, gear and upgrades and whatnot, mm. he, he went to the brothel. Mm-hmm. So you, you can drop breadcrumbs along the way, I think. Yeah. Everyone's favorite cleric, Bob. Yes. So, let's see. Oh, so there's... So the final part of the charisma, and I think this really gets into the controlling aspect of that chosen one, is called invest charisma. After draining... Oh, so so every day, we, we talked about with that charisma drain, they, they drain a D3 of that character's charisma, which means they only last about a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I would say it's, most. Because each day a Jahi's chosen one must make a fortitude save. It's not the Jahi doesn't have the option to do it or not. It's this is this this happens. Yep. So after draining all the charisma from its chosen one, a Jahi can automatically adhere to that creature. Oh, here's our possession right here. This is the official possession. It takes about a week for it to sink in, basically. Gotcha. So a Jahi can automatically adhere to that creature, usually by wrapping around its throat or chest, and replace the lost charisma with its own. And it has a an 18 charisma. Not bad. Not yep. bad at all. And replace the lost charisma with its own. While so invested, the creature uses the Jahi's charisma for all charisma-based checks. This investment lasts as long as the Jahi and the Chosen One are in physical contact. If seriously threatened, or if it decides to select another Chosen One, the Jahi detaches, removing the investment of its charisma. At that point, the Chosen One's charisma score falls to zero, and he or she becomes unconscious until at least one point of charisma has been regained. So that's our possession. That answers that question right there. That's exactly yep. how you do it. They would choose whoever for whatever reason. I think the monster selects the individual with the most pleasing appearance as its chosen one. So it, it picks the pretty one, the char- charismatic pretty one. Yeah. So it has... So... Yeah, you make your... The chosen one 
who's not the official chosen one, it's like the chosen one light, make those fortitude saves. And if they fail, they lose that D3 of charisma. You don't tell them what's going on. You just say, okay, your charisma's down three yeah. points. Roll me a D4, re-roll it on a four. If, if, and, and take that off of your charisma. And, and just have them do that literally every day until they drop. And then they, they bounce right back up. They feel like a million bucks. Oh, your charisma, it's up to 18 now. What a, what a bonkers yeah way to and then i don't i i wouldn't kick in the hedonistic tendencies and the the urges and all of that until until that that in investiture of charisma happens for sure because then you're part of the jahi yeah yeah you are you are the vehicle you're the meat vehicle for the jahi yeah that is a that's a creepy way to go about installing this creature yeah it's just randomly over seven days mm -hmm. having them and to be fair seven days could be an hour of game time it could be days of game time sure it, it could be months of sessions well yeah exactly yeah and what would be really crafty and nasty for the dm to do is to give them Give them a, a weapon at the same time that the that the Jahi is intrigued in them, so they think it's like a cursed weapon or something. Give them a red herring, yep. To 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 kind of as a scapegoat, you know. Otherwise, they should be they'd be really concerned. And then one day they get rid of the dagger, and the next day it still happens, and then they're they're really kind of panicking. Exactly. They go to a a shaman or something mm -hmm. to get some answers and maybe they're they can or cannot tell them anything about what's going on but yeah i love the idea of almost infusing some sort of just random bobble with with whatever this energy might be in the mind of the player yeah yeah give give them give give them something to focus on while you yep. while your machinations are working in the back that's exactly. oh that's such a that's that that's part of my I in general I'd say 99% of the time I like to be a very benevolent and generous and collaborative DM but every now and then there's an idea something like this that comes out that I just I steeple my fingers and I I chuckle to myself and and it's just I it's good to have a little DM secret every now and then. It really is. It's so satisfying. Absolutely. And any good player, or I guess any player that has been around long enough will see that and can appreciate that, I think. You sure. Know, yeah. You know, the new guy, the the swing and, swing and hit everything, murder hobo there might not is willing to accept something along those lines. Yeah. But, you know, you get someone that you've been working with a long time, you get someone that you have a really good relationship with, and it's just one of those, oh, you got me. All right. Let's see where this ride goes. Yeah, I I I I would not throw this on on a new player. I definitely wouldn't. But but this is if you've had a party for 
a certain amount of time, you wouldn't you you'll know who can handle this and who can really appreciate this as as something. Yeah, and you would think that someone that has a fairly high charisma score, someone that has that might be the prettier one of the group in mm-hmm. terms of their character, obviously, is probably going to be a a support character. So then you yeah. would that you they I would imagine that someone that is a support character probably has a bit more in, of role play in mind than they do mm-hmm. just swinging swords and throwing dice. Particularly if they're charisma heavy. Exactly. So they would be they would be able to appreciate this is what what you would think. Would would you I guess I guess you would make this a make the charisma person a target. I was thinking why not why not give it to someone who is not charisma based at all, but that doesn't really make I mean, you could. You'll give them an 18 charisma great, but it's you do want to give something to the player for experiencing this and giving them a boosted charisma really is the way to do it, you know? So so if they can't if your fighter has it it's it's kind of a waste especially when your warlock is sitting right next to him going what the hell well yeah absolutely i mean you're and if you follow the story as written the the warlock the bard would be more apt to be the leader Mm -hmm. of this cult than the barbarian per se for every conan the barbarian there's just drog the guy that swings a club (laughs) yeah yeah, not that Conan had had that good of a charisma, but it was better than Drogs for sure. Well, for sure, yeah. So, one more, one last question before we get into our ratings here. Speaking of warlocks, how would you play this as a warlock's patron? Could 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 this successfully be pulled off as a warlock's patron? I mean, if for no other reason they give the warlock an eighteen charisma, you know that's that's nice. Yeah, it, I definitely think you could do it. Yeah, I don't see why not. With all the other patrons there are to choose from, I don't see why this would necessarily be much different. But what else do they have to offer? That's my only qualm. Is like, how do you explain them granting? considerable power to to sling spells beyond just that 18 charisma you know yeah i i think if you were going to go that route with it it might be something along the lines of the adoration of the you know the public or whatever however you want to to phrase it is what they could use as that fuel to sling those spells so to speak so instead of just kind of a an innate power like you would see in a sorcerer maybe it's something that they can pull in from the outside and turn into whatever it is they need to cast that lightning bolt or that that force blast or whatever okay okay i yeah if you if you have to make it work yeah i see that I don't I certainly don't see this as 
I certainly don't see this as being like the top of the list of, of patrons that you would want. However, I do kind of see this as being almost a temptation for your chaotic, neutral, or lawful evil bard to to make it to make this thing almost almost show itself to, to the bard and, and make an offer as opposed to just like automatically pos- trying to possess him, you know. He's the Harvey Weinstein. The, In a way, the Jahi is the, the Harvey Jahi Weinstein. is the Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kind just a, a creepy, seedy. You do this for me, and I'll give you whatever you want. I'll make you a star. I guess that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, but, but yes, in in a sense, or or it's it is the grossest of combinations of Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, together. Okay, I see that. I don't. Now, I, don't I don't like any of that. <laughs> is is the Jahi? Well, is Mark Zuckerberg a Jahi? <laughs> is Mark Zuckerberg a Jahi? Well, he certainly has no charisma, so that that cancels it out immediately. Fair enough. I guess maybe more along the lines is whoever created social media platform, like the the idea of social media, is that the Jahi? Because there's your hedonistic Tom. Is it Tom from is MySpace? It Tom, Tom from MySpace, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um That's see that now we're getting into territory of of urban fantasy, how cool I, would that be? Which I love, which like yeah. Dresden Files and things like that, where where you you explain current phenomena, current situations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, with with these these mythical creatures of of yep. any variety. Yeah, I can I can dig that for sure. Of course, of course, there's there. I, I, of course, I can't think of any, but there there are. At least a handful of stories where there's someone who needs to be worshipped, so they're a movie star. You know, it's like a god who who isn't being worshipped anymore, so he turns himself into Brad Pitt, and then he's he's worshipped, so he stays relevant, he stays powerful. You know, feels like a very Neil Gaiman type of uh, yeah type of story. Oh, it's it's a lot. Um, American Gods is is kind of like that. It just in the sense that there are the old gods and there are new gods. Like one of the gods that I believe is television is yeah. the, the God television. It's been a long time since I, I read that book, but something along those lines and, and the Jahi, the Jahi could fit into that. The Jahi could certainly fit into like a modern day urban fantasy magic, but modern game. I think if I was going to start up one of those, that would be the, the hook. Or Billy Graham, have it be like some gross, like evangelical megachurch. Oh uh, gosh, yeah. yeah, really slimy. Everybody, the whole party knows that there's something wrong with him, but but the followers are just all about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yes. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. So, I, I have a feeling I know the general direction we're going here, but how many? Spectral serpent scarves would you give the Jahi? I feel like the Jahi is right up there with a lot of these major campaign 
creating and campaign influencing yeah bads that we have we've seen so i would have to go with i would probably say a nine wow okay i could see him from the very beginning mm-hmm. and it's all this fun but insane amount of work on the behind the scenes mm-hmm. for the dm mm-hmm. and then once that hits and once you kind of start rolling then it becomes a lot of fun on on the table as well and the fact that you this will really translate much like the cambium to multiple universes so to speak you can do the sure. the urban fantasy you could do even like a shadow run type campaign yeah with with this as a villain yep so i think that really kind of boosts it up as well mm-hmm. there yeah it is as at first glance it feels very niche but but the more you think about it the more the more broad and malleable it really is that it can fit into any number of things it could be it could be the grimer worm tongue it could be mark from or no it could be tom from from myspace all sorts of options here the your options are only limited by what the host is and yeah like you and, said, and what your anyone. world is yeah yeah but but any world even if it's not high fantasy like dungeons your standard dungeons yeah. and dragons fair something like this could fit into a, a in the cthulhu world or or anything like that how cool would it be if this is your big your big bad throughout the campaign and it is you're following this from world to world so mm. you are starting as standard D guys you know fighter cleric wizard etc and you have to follow it into an urban fantasy setting, maybe a, a horror Call of Cthulhu yeah. type setting. And you're just dimension hopping, f- tracking this creature. That's cool. That's so you're 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 jumping into different realms and realities. And in real life, you're playing in different systems, essentially. You could be for sure. I mean, you could you could stick in. 3-5, five, 5-E, whatever, however you want to play it, and then just try to incorporate certain things yeah. from the Call of Cthulhu system. Or just from... reskin it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, incorporate things from, like, Ultramodern hmm. and and bring that stuff in if if need be. But yeah, I, it could be just a reskin. So you're... It's a lot to ask your players to learn brand new systems right, all the time. Right, Yeah, but as the DM, I think you could, you could absorb... Right, unless everybody is familiar with the the multiple systems or you play enough and regularly that it's it's not so so choppy a transition. But yeah, reskinning is is 100% the way to do it. For that reason alone, it's I would have to go with a 9 for this guy. Okay, very cool. 9 9 9 spectral serpent scarves for the Jahi. And that wraps up this week of Random Encounters. Thanks so much for listening. Go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out fecklessmomes.com for Talk Tell to Me and Random Encounters pages. We have a list of all of the books that we pull from. If you've got a monster in a book that you have that's on our list and you want us to cover one of those monsters, let us know. Drop us a line. Momes at fecklessmomes.com or there's a contact us right on the homepage at fecklessmomes.com. Let us know what you think about the show. We'd love to hear it. And that is 
it for this week. Come on back next week. Another random monster from a random monster manual. Thank you so much. Hey, Random Encounters is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.